Welcome, everyone, to the latest, greatest episode of the Network Age. I'm Bitchel Ritson, joined as always by my handsome co-host Absol Rigner. Absol, why don't you say hello to all the good people out there? Hello to everyone, but the SEC. Yes, that's right. The SEC. We don't say hello to you, and they will actually be part of the subject of today's episode because we have joining us one of the objects of their capricious regulatory drive-by. Our special guest. You may know him on Twitter or X as Grin. He's the founder and CTO of Library and the tech lead for Cabin Dow. Yep, that's right. We'll be talking about how Library fought the law and the law won. How even USG can't put a good blockchain down. Library's continuing odyssey, odyssey, and how to vibe with your Cabin Dow friends. So this is going to be a really great episode. Library may actually be the most popular. Crypto app out there, and we we can't wait to have this conversation. So stick with us, and we are going to speak to our extra special friend, Grin. Welcome back, and we are now joined by our our good friend and esteemed thought leader, Grin. Who is、uh, the founder and CTO of Library and the tech lead for Cabin Dow Grin? Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you again. We recently、um, caught dinner together in in Lisbon and had a really great time talking about、uh, the projects that you're involved in. You kind of have your your fingers in in a bunch of different pies. You love. Pies, and you're you're always working on a lots of different projects. But I think it would be great for us to start with. I think what you're best known for is、um, is library, and、um, maybe it'd be great if you could just tell us, you know, how you got involved in this space and and how it led to 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 library and the the ongoing odyssey that is that project. Yeah, library is the biggest pie that's all over my fingers, <laughs> the most.、Good. Yeah.、Um, Library is probably about eight years old.、Um, it was something that my co-founder and I. So we we were working on a previous startup together, which was a SaaS product for sports organizations, primarily frisbee. We're both big frisbee players, and、huh. around the time we were working <laughs> on it, yeah, it's another pie, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>、um, and we. At the same time, we were kind of like paying attention to crypto. Crypto was just getting started. This is maybe 2014.、Um, it was getting big. We were like, "Oh, this is really cool."、Uh, not like we're going to get rich off of this, but more like this technology is cool. It lets you do things that you couldn't do before.、Um, and at the same time, we were both big BitTorrent users, and we were like, "Man, BitTorrent is great. Tons of people use it, love it. It's awesome." But it has these couple core problems, like. It's sketchy as shit.、Um, like the, <laughs>、sure. the experience、yeah. of, of going to download something is:、uh, you go to these websites, you don't know if you're getting a virus. That kind of always taking your life in your hand anytime you want something. <laughs> exactly, and、uh, then you also you can't pay anyone on BitTorrent. Like I would love to pay the people I'm downloading from.、Um, I can't have an identity. There's no reputation. And we look at all these, and we look at what this is just, really just Bitcoin at the time. We we're like, man, Bitcoin does all of these things. 
you know, you can have an identity, you can have a reputation, you can have money, um, you can put all the info that's in a tracker like a Pirate Bay that can just go on chain. And we're like BitTorrent, Bitcoin, put them together, bam, it's magic, it's library. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. And we, like the idea struck us, we couldn't um, kind of stop thinking about it. So you're, we hired... you're throwing your Frisbee and these ideas are flashing into your head that you, you need to get on there. Yeah, well, he and I, so we used to live together. We would like sit next to each other, do our coding, and then just kind of talk about this thing. Um, and eventually we hired a new CEO to take over the other company, and we started Library. You said it's eight years old. That would put it like not quite as old as Ethereum or around the same age? Ethereum was around. I think Ethereum's older. Um, but building on Ethereum was not something anyone was doing. So that thought never really crossed our mind. So we took the code from Bitcoin and just started our own L1. We started our own chain. It was June of 2016 when the chain kicked off. So I had officially been working on it for about six months and unofficially for another like six to 12 months. Um, The first version, actually, our friend from college who we knew through Frisbee, he wrote the first version. And when we launched it, he was kind of like out on it. He moved on. So library is an all Frisbee app for for the enthusiasts out there. That's that's the core. (laughs) Yeah, the core principles. Um, yeah, we're trying to onboard the next billion ultimate players on chain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, you know, library eventually became uh, one of the most, if not according to some statistics, the most used like crypto. You know, it was um, hugely successful f- for a time, um, and has obviously encountered um, some problems. But I'm curious, what like the journey of library was like how did it go from you know this idea this marriage of of bit and bitcoin to something that really offered a lot of value and like one of the first real concrete use cases um as this space developed that like something people could actually use sink their teeth into wasn't just you know number go up yeah well for the first couple of years really nobody used library it took us a long time to build it, um, there wasn't nearly the ecosystem that exists today. So for a while, it was you download the desktop client, you use it, and we didn't get much traction. And eventually, you're like, okay, nobody really wants to download the desktop client. They want to use it on the web. And we ran this experiment. We're like, all right, we'll build uh, an image sharing app on top of library. Because library is generic. You can do any kind of data. And people were into that. That was cool. And we're like, okay, if that works, let's do video. Video seems like the best use case. And we built Library TV, I think it was maybe 2018, 2019. And that really took off. That was the first one where it's like, all right, this is cool. And Library TV really was just, let's clone YouTube. Let's make it so people can upload videos, download videos, they get published to Library. And once we got quite a bit of traction there, mostly people leaving YouTube, um, either they got kicked off or they didn't like their values. Um, they wanted something decentralized. Then ultimately we were like, all right, we can do even better. Um, And we rebranded it to Odyssey. We kind of launched Odyssey from scratch and kind of went from there. This was, I I think like COVID really helped us out. A lot of the censorship on YouTube really helped us out. Is library TV the same thing as Odyssey or are these two different projects? Pretty much. Library TV is like Odyssey V1. It's Odyssey with like worse branding, looks worse, um, but works kind of the same underneath. And then Odyssey is what Library TV turned into when 
this guy named Julian came to us and he used to work at TikTok and he's like, look, what you guys have is great, but you really don't understand um, how to do the Zoomers. marketing that well. Pretty much. Yeah. Young people. I mean, that's, that's Odyssey's like, that's really what one of the things that separates it is YouTube. YouTube is like trying to be cable TV. You know, they want mm-hmm. your parents to watch it. They want to be like the authoritative source. And Odyssey wants to be what YouTube was about 15 years ago, where like young kids, weird videos, stuff your parents won't like, but it's fun, it's engaging, it's like quirky, it's weird. How is the um, decentralization done? Because I'm, I'm certain that video is not put on the blockchain, although, you know, like the the address of a video could be, but the, the video itself, what is it? It's somehow decentralized? Yeah, exactly. So uh, the video goes into the thing that's like BitTorrent. Right. And um, so video gets taken, broken up into little chunks. The chunks are all hashed together. Um, and you essentially end up with one hash that represents that video. Then the video is seeded to the network the same way your torrent client mm. would. And then the hash is what goes on chain along with some metadata like the title, description, you know, the size, duration of the video. And so you go to the blockchain to see what is the catalog of all the content that's available, which is another thing you can't do with BitTorrent. There's no like, this is everything mm. on BitTorrent. Yeah. So you can go to the catalog, you can search it, and then you take the hash and you go to the either the DHT um, or there's other ways of doing it, but you go there and you're like, okay, who are the people who actually have this video? And then I get it from them directly. What does uh, like discoverability look like on, um, on Odyssey then? Because obviously like, that's been a big problem that a lot of um, crypto content platforms have had trouble solving, right? Um, you know, how you find new things, like how do you replace the, the mind reading algorithm that feeds us our slop that we, we all crave? Why would you want to replace it? It's so good. <laughs> point. I mean, I'm you, hungry for it. You all eat, the time. You're going to eat the slop and, and live in the. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, I agree. That's that's the hard part, and that's so. There's, uh, it helps to like separate library and Odyssey. Library is kind mm-hmm. of like Bitcoin. It's the protocol. It's the blockchain. It's a decentralized thing. Odyssey is kind of like Coinbase on top of it. You know, Coinbase is a company. They're they're very centralized. They do their thing, but what underneath it's they have the crypto piece so odyssey is um a lot of the data is on chain so data like um you can tip people you can see what the content's there so you can do some like more basic type of discovery you can you know search for similar words that you like you can follow people that's on chain but then odyssey adds a little bit of the kind of things you can't put on chain yet like views um, there's not a great way of like, if I watch the video, there's not a great way of putting that on chain yet. It's coming. I think it'll get there eventually, but then Odyssey builds off of that to do kind of more custom, um, and discoverability. You, you said that people tip, so this is like the library token that people are using. And right. What else, what else does it get used for? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's necessary to run the chain the same way you need Bitcoin to run the Bitcoin chain, like you have to pay miners. Right. Um, so it's very, very similar to that. But it's also used to publish content to the blockchain. It's used for tipping. It's used for something we call supporting, which is kind of like staking toward a video. So you're saying, like, I support this video. I support this creator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's used for creating your identity. And the, the staking part is another signal in this discovery algorithm. So the creators that have the most con- like library tokens staked towards them or the videos that have the most tokens staked towards them they're probably, you know, higher signal, more popular. 
And does staking towards a video in any way like lead to um, rewards for the, the creator that are outside of tipping in some way? Like, um, or is it, it's, it's sort of more like just like a vote, like you lock your library token up in, in escrow for a sec to show I support this, this content. Yeah, it's like that. So, so supporting is like that vote. Tipping is like supporting, but also you give them the library mm -hmm. tokens so they can they can like unstake them, they can keep them. But a lot of creators actually tend to just leave it because it helps their videos, it helps their channel. That makes sense. Yeah. So the the algorithm sort of like looks at how much staked library it has, and this pushes the pushes it up in views or something like that. Exactly. And also it looks at trending. So if some video gets a bunch staked all at once, that's like a mm -hmm. high signal. Because mm -hmm. um, a lot of people who watch stuff, there's there's different reasons you'd want to watch something on Odyssey, but one of them is like something's happening now. You want to know about it now. It just came out. It's new. And this sort of trending thing really helps. And um, has has your uh, content dream come true? Like, is has Odyssey become a place for like, you know, weird videos, uh, you know, and like cartoons of, you know, George Washington and squeaky voices uh, like, like YouTube used to be? Is that has like, what is the culture that has started emerging around Odyssey? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, there's a lot more it could do, but I'm pretty happy with it. You know, the thing we really did not want is to be like the stuff that nobody wants to see on YouTube, right? Just like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like the, yeah, pretty much. Look, I think they should have a place. Um, I don't want to watch them. Um, yeah. But yeah, Odyssey Odyssey's for everyone, but it's, you know, if YouTube is perfectly meeting your needs, it's going to be hard for you to be like, all right, I'll go over to Odyssey. Yeah. Um, but if it's not, if it's like, if you want something a little outside the mainstream, then Odyssey is great for it. And we really didn't want Odyssey to be like in one ideological corner. We didn't want it to be like right-wing YouTube. Um, we wanted it to have a bit of everything. So there are, there's just like pure science channels, like three blue, one brown or Veritasium. Um, there's also like the weird, you know, Pepe meme coin people. There's the, you know, what, there's whatever you can find. Like my high school computer science teacher publishes to Odyssey. He makes videos about how to use Emacs and Lisp. And I think it's really was he cool. proud of like, you? Yeah. He was like, oh, cool. Like, I know this guy who made this thing. I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, I love that that's support, great. You know? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have no idea how this works with a, with a distributed blockchain, but like, um, is, is there any sort of policing uh, like cer certainly there's some content that like, I think pretty much everyone can agree with you wouldn't want on your platform. So how is that done? Yeah, there's a bunch of um, tricky things to it. Uh, even, even content everybody might want on the platform, but like, I might not want to see it, right? Like I, if my kids are using Odyssey, I don't want them to be watching porn, even though I have no problem with porn, people should be able to watch it. Um, so there's, it again, it works kind of the same way that Bitcoin and I don't know Coinbase or whatever. At the at the blockchain layer, there's not much we can do about it. It's a blockchain. Whoever you know gets their transactions into the block, that's what's going to be on chain. You can't really reverse it. But on top of that, you can create filters like, oh, I don't want to see this content. I want more of this content. Mm -hmm. So with Odyssey, for example, Odyssey complies with DMCA. Um, Odyssey complies with the Americans rules about speech odyssey also filters out porn which it doesn't have to but we think that's the experience people want when they come there and if you go to odyssey and something's blocked or not there for some reason 
you get the choice of like going to Odyssey France, Odyssey Brazil, Odyssey whatever country you're actually in that is the laws you want, or you can get the decentralized client and then you can filter, you know, with the knobs yourself. So there's a lot of optionality in the experience so that like you, you have more control over, not only is there a wider uh, band uh, in the signal, but you have more ability to fine tune it yourself. Yeah. And I think most people actually don't want to do their own fine tuning. They prefer mm -hmm. to delegate to an organization they trust. So this is something we don't have yet, but we want to build where you basically sign up to someone else's list, like block list or list of um, things. Grim's Odyssey. Join yeah, pretty Grim's much. Odyssey. You, mm -hmm. Like curation, right? I want to I wanna get the Herbit version of Odyssey. Mm -hmm. I want to get the Ethereum version. I want to get the people who hate guns, the people who love guns, the people who whatever. Like you should be able to do that. Who juggle guns on 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 TV? I, I have curation, seen that, but I would love that. Yeah, well, curation is an interesting thing. I feel like curation has become a buzzword in sort of any crypto adjacent content platform. Like, um, and especially with with AI, right? There's like a lot of AI is going to be producing so much stuff. We need to have um, people like humans sort through it, sort through the the bullshit. Um, but I and I have yet to see curation really take off anywhere um like i i wonder is it is it just like a matter of time for us to, to want, or is it is it like that everyone just defaults to what's available to them and even sorting through curators is a little bit too much of a task i'm not sure i just i feel like it's something that people talk about so much but i'm still waiting for it to actually happen mm. well it depends what you mean by curation because in some sense it already happens places like twitter the people mm -hmm. you follow that curates your feed. Twitter uses this algorithm called sim clusters where they look at the big accounts you follow and they recommend to you smaller accounts that also follow those big accounts. They recommend, you know, they show you tweets from those big accounts and other similar. It's like, it's happening. Anytime mm -hmm. there's a feed and there's more than just like a little bit of users, they have to be making decisions about what you see. That's curious. I guess I'm, I'm getting like background curated all the time in my life. Yeah, I mean, that's, Visual, the, right? that's, that's the bubble, that's the algorithm, it's yeah. the same thing. The slop, the slop. Mitchell's definitely afraid of, of Twitter, um, so this could be lost on him. Well, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I use Twitter. I have incredible Twitter here, uh, but I do it. it um, <laughs> Everyone should not, follow and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, please. That's uh, at Mitchell R yeah, <laughs> on I, Twitter. Um, I, I am a, a little bit afraid of Twitter. Before I, I started, um, before Bitchell Ritson was, was created, before he rose from the, the, the ether and was formed by the good gods that are Oak Bar Network, um, I had gotten myself off Twitter because I just, I find it, it poisoned my, my brain. And that's what I, what I think is like interesting about talking about people who, who do projects like this in, in library and Odyssey is like, I'm going to lose the battle against the internet. And I know this, and it's a part of our lives. And this is, and so it's always a question then of what is the healthiest way to interact with it? Right. And I think that, um, projects like library and odyssey, um, you know, point towards a way, a way forward for using the internet in a way that it involves more freedom, more like less mind control, um, just greater, greater control of your own experience is, is what I hope for from projects like this. Yeah. And that's a lot of 
what's interesting to us too is like showing you the knobs of the slop feeder so you can twist them you can be like to, you know today i want a little more watermelon in my slop or or nice. i want i want whatever you know josh is having um i i do want what josh he, yeah josh josh looks great i i can't be on video because i'm so uh horrifying looking that i, <laughs> I had replaced with it's, edgar over it's here. not true it's not true Mitchell <laughs> Mitchell is a chad but he's uh yeah. He, he can't but be associated with us professionally. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, once, once the algorithm finds out. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, so this is another uh, question. Is like, so unlike basically other, every other crypto, uh, people actually use libraries, <laughs> which is like, I think one of the, the, like the most incredible things about it is, is it's delivering something people want it. What, what kind of, um, numbers at like libraries peak how many people do you have uh, like sharing files or using odyssey like what is what does the community look like so our peak was april of 21 like right around the time the sec dropped the lawsuit um we were hitting yeah, spoiler about... we'll, we'll get to that here libraries yeah. through some tough times <laughs> you can't you can't get too good or they'll get you yeah um, true that's why we, yeah. we moderate our quality, lest the yeah. SEC come take us down for <laughs> being too successful podcast wise. That's right. <laughs> they're they're on to you now. I know. Everything we touch is toxic. Um <laughs> yeah, we we had um our peak was pro I think there was like a couple of days that we hit three million daily active users. Wow. Um probably about, I don't know, ten or or more monthly actives. I wasn't I'm not sure. Um, today it's dropped off a little bit. We're at like seven monthly actives, like 7 million people use it every month, about half a million, a little under half a million a day. That's, that's still, that's a lot of people using, using this application. You know, it's, it's, it shows like real demand and excitement for this product. You know, I don't like what, what else is getting used as, as much as this? I like that isn't, you know, a trading platform. Yeah, I would love to know. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> it might be MetaMask. It might be mm -hmm. Coinbase. It might be, um, I don't know what kind of numbers Axie is doing nowadays. Um, yeah. But even even most of that is like, you know, I'm I'm moving numbers around. I'm moving, my, like, I mean, I guess like MetaMask. But MetaMask is just like to allow you to use other things. I don't know. Like, I, I, can't, I struggle to think of um, a real product, a real application, a real service that, has this sort of popularity you mean with with actual people doing actual stuff besides music, like like community uploading stuff yes. instead of just yes. instead of just trying to play the shitcoin casino yeah which is great casino, shitcoin I, casino love losing, is I love losing my money in it i certainly it don't fun. make any money in the shitcoin casino um you got ups and downs <laughs> yeah yeah um, i mean I agree. I think today it's like trendy to be like, oh, it's all about the, the users. Um, crypto is just the technology. You know, it should be in the background. I think finally people are like really internalizing that. But mm -hmm. that's been our perspective the whole time. Like we were never in it to make money. You know, we never did an ICO. We never like dumped on retail. We never, in some sense, I wish we like sold more tokens. Maybe we'd, be, we'd have mm -hmm. like, you know, more dry powder in the bank and be able to do more. But we were always about like let's make something people use. Let's you know this crypto is like a fancy database. Um, kind of obviously, a, a it's a little more than that. But. The user centered hipster. <laughs> yeah, you, were, you, were, you cared we were about the cool. user before everybody else. <laughs> I, w I wish we were that cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have nearly uh, enough tattoos to be a hipster. Yeah, but you oh, no. you were cool enough for 
Uh, yeah, looking good. Edgar's got one under the bow tie. Um, sure. He, he only does sure. privately. Um, uh, well, you were cool enough to draw the SEC's attention um, and and get your 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 butt sued pretty hard. Um, <laughs> and uh, eventually, you know, library had to d- declare bankruptcy. And so, I guess, what can you tell us a little bit about? the lawsuit, what it was like going through that experience and what the state of library is now after, after having, you know, the, the agents of the state try to take you down. Yeah. So they first reached out to us probably about five years ago. Reach out is first... funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Grand. Good to see you. I've actually never had a conversation with anyone at the SEC, except, um, I don't know if you count my deposition as a conversation. It's more like an inquisition, really. <laughs> but I've, I've never sat down to talk with anyone at the SEC. That's kind of um, wild. Yeah, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, if they're, you know, there's no, like, how are they supposed to know anything about what we're doing if it's so adversarial and accusatory from the beginning? Although it <laughs> wasn't, like, exactly like that. When they first sent us a letter, they were like, we're just trying to understand this crypto thing, like help us figure out what you guys are up to. And our lawyer It's not like, your job to like emotionally educate, you know, the the state. You're doing the emotional labor that is by their rights to do. Well, they're fishing, aren't they? Yeah. They they want you to talk. I know that now. Yeah. At the time it was very different. This was before all the lawsuits. Like Gary Gensler wasn't the chair at the time. It was whoever was before. I forgot his name. Um but yeah, they, this is like pretty early. None of this big lawsuits came out. And our lawyers, like we had lawyers from the beginning. We knew this would be an issue. They wrote us an opinion. They were like, if you do this, you'll be safe. We follow it. And the SEC reaches out and our lawyers are like, yeah, well, you should cooperate. You know, maybe they'll just go away. Famous last <laughs> words. I know. And uh, yeah, in retrospect, I mean, I wish we had stonewalled, but we were just kind of like, we were very public. We've always been public. We publish everything all our code is public all our data is public all our finances are public we publish quarterly reports how we spend all our tokens and we were like here it is you know like take a look and for about a year year and a half they were like ask us questions every once in a while and then they disappeared and we were like okay but they never tell you like you're good they're just like they're gone yeah and then six months later they're (laughs) like here's your wells notice like we're you know we're, we're we're suing you like you can um you can you can settle you can like just just give in but our we were always like yeah sure we'll give you all the money you want but you got to give us rules by which we can do not what we're doing again. or something close yeah, yeah like tell us what's okay like you can't just tell us everything's not okay and then we're like what is okay and they're like can't tell you so and yeah, what so exactly we like, did they sue you for like what did they say that you were you're violating so they said that library inc which is not the blockchain, but the company that like pays me and pays the kind of the core team that works on it. Library Inc. Um, is selling unregistered securities. That mm-hmm. like anytime we sell library tokens, um, the token itself is not a security, but the sale of the token constitutes a, an, oh, an investment funny. contract, a securities offering. I don't know if I sell if I like sold you a rock, the rock's not a security, but if I said, oh, this rock represents one percent equity my company now this that rock, rock is going is, straight to the moon baby <laughs> with a catapult maybe yeah uh, uh, so yeah they said no. they said it was that and we were like well that doesn't really make sense people are buying this thing to use it for the protocol they're buying it because they need to put content on chain um we need a token so that 
you know, the chain, the like the space on chain is limited. Miners need to get paid. This is how every blockchain works. And yeah, so there we disagreed. We eventually they went public. <laughs> <laughs> Disagreement, yeah. And then that was yeah, that was April twenty one. So about three years ago. Um, then yeah, we went to court. We got into a fight in court. They um, they won on summary judgment. The judge ruled that actually the judge ruled that the most important thing we did wrong was having a big pile of the tokens. That like mm. no matter what we say, because we've never said, hey, you should buy this thing, you'll get rich. In fact, we said the opposite. We we're like, you should not buy this thing. You know, we're we're trying to build something that works. This is not what we're about. But the judge was like, it doesn't matter what you say. If you have a big pile of it, and then people can assume, some people, I guess, that you're going to make that pile more valuable in the future. And so if they're buying the token from you, they're kind of expecting profit from the work of others. So like it meets the Howie test conditions. It's, um, so it's kids, don't do ICOs. Um, don't, don't do yeah. pre-mines, rather. Don't do pre-mines. That's the lesson here. Although nobody does pre-mines anymore, really. Um, you, 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 you served as an example. Yeah, you were too early. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what happened. Like they, they were going after kind of, there was a period where I think they went after pretty much everybody when there was, it was small enough that they could do that. And we mm -hmm. were around and we were public and we were like doing a thing. And, cool. and we also refused to settle because we we're like kind of stubborn yeah. and dumb. But, I mean, uh, what you were saying, what you're saying about like um, not getting any clearer rules, this is like sort of famously come up recently with Coinbase because Coinbase has had like a very open fight or, you know, like, Maybe I'll say it diplomatically like you did. They've had a very open discussion with the SEC, you know, about, you know, we've, we've kept, we keep asking you and have been asking you for years and years, um, tell us what the, what the rules are, and then we'll try to comply with the rules. But you, what you're doing is, yeah, just like expecting you're, you're like suing us after the fact when there are no rules in place for, you know, you know, crypto. And, um, so it's, yeah, it's really that like, a lot of people have had the same situation with the SEC, most famously maybe Coinbase. Coinbase, Ripple. Yeah. Um, there's been a bunch of them where we're kind of like, okay, tell us the rules. And the SEC is like, the rules are clear. And we're like, okay, well, what are they? And they're like, well, you should already know that. Like, And we'll tell you mm -hmm. if you break in them. We're like, and like Gary Gensler goes to Congress and people in Congress are like, is Bitcoin a security? And he's like, well, maybe. And they're like, well, what about Ethereum? I, I guess it depends on the facts and circumstances. And then they're like, what are the rules? Like, are the rules clear? If it seems the only rule is uh, the SEC makes up the rules, and like they'll fuck you if uh, if they decide they want to. This is how I in intend to parent. Like, anytime something comes up, well, it depends on the facts and circumstances. You you're in trouble if I say you're in trouble, and uh, you should live in, in fear. So I like I mean, it's a great way to raise extremely <laughs> anxious and messed up kids. Yeah, yeah. And in a, in a uh, well, I guess you know it's why the. Um, the whole industry is a little anxious and, and messed up, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's weird. There's like factions in it. So our, our case, we, we decided we can't appeal because we're bankrupt. Um, and when we announced that, then Hester Pierce, who's one of the commissioners of the SEC, is like, oh, now I can talk about this, wrote this long letter that's like, I completely disagree with the lawsuit. I can't believe this, this company that, or, sorry, this agency that I run went after library and we were like, Hester, where you been? You know, it's been like three years. Our, <laughs> our judge would have loved to read this thing if you just put the, wrote this like a year ago. Um, yeah, we'll so have, that's to, another we'll have to share that. It's a really good read. That's crazy. 
Yeah, we'll we'll definitely include um, some some links in in the show notes and everything. So, um, you know, you're bankrupt. It's very sad. What what is the state of library now? And I mean, you uh, intimated to me that there's uh, some efforts to to save it, to 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 keep it to keep it going via its enthusiasts and supporters. Yeah, well, there's a couple of pieces to it. So there's there's library, which is a decentralized protocol. Anybody like that thing's still going. People mine it. People are building on it. Um, there there are developers who aren't us, like working on apps, working on not just video, but like three um, D printed, three D like CAD files, um, music, like pictures, kind of creating versions of Odyssey that are specific to different content. There's also just mm-hmm. like a generic kind of like torrents you can download whatever you want you can just use the library client to download whatever you want so that'll keep going as long as people want it to keep going then there's library inc that's us the the company where yeah we don't have any money i don't know exactly what will happen <laughs> with library inc i haven't i've i mean i feel really bad like i we used to you know employ 20 plus people i haven't paid anyone's salary in like right about a year is when we like kind of had to let everyone go and be like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, sorry, guys, we fucked up. Um, and then there's also Odyssey. So Odyssey is probably the most valuable thing that library owns. And there's and there's the crypto. We own like 80 million tokens that are now in limbo. We have no mm-hmm. idea how to sell them. The rules say we can't, we have to register them, but like registering them is impossible. If you if you try to go through the process the SEC says you should do, it's, it's just not possible. There's no tokens that are registered and also like actually crypto. Um, they mm-hmm. can only be this like really contrived thing that nobody can use. Um, Odyssey is being auctioned off on Thursday in Delaware. Um, there's just an auction. Like the, whoever wants to buy Odyssey can buy it. There's several people. The Thursday is in two days, two days from now. From, yeah. Oh well. Unfortunately, this is what no, this will this is gonna drop that morning. Is that right? Yes. All right. Well, well maybe we yeah. will uh, we'll get some some bidders out there. Uh, the, it's far too late. They have to register last week. Uh, so gotcha. you, you can watch well, the auction, but you can't participate. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what is uh, what is Odyssey gonna sell for? I don't know. It's an auction. We'll see. What well, um, assets are being? liquidated um it's it's the brand primarily like odyssey.com is very valuable right that's where people go right um it's the the kind of like contracts with other like service contracts uh odyssey hosts a bunch of data so the data is there um it's like the machines that run it the that kind of thing and how does how does this like relate though to the um the SE, the SEC, Jeff, I guess, like, is someone who buys Odyssey and like tries to operate it, like, potentially going to be in danger of the SEC saying they're they're somehow related to this project in a way that you know they would need to have a discussion about? No, actually, it's the opposite. I think Odyssey has like a pretty clear thumbs up. It's not like an actual thumbs up. The SEC never went and said, this is great because they never say that kind of thing. But they tried to get the judge to issue an injunction against Odyssey. And the the judge said, no, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, they looked at it. They've been doing due diligence on this stuff. They know it all. And they basically, like, couldn't get 
the judge to do anything about it. They didn't even end up including it. They dropped it from the lawsuit. So that to me and to our lawyers is like as clear of a thumbs up as you're ever going to get that this is like they tried to go after and it didn't work. So as long as Odyssey doesn't start hoarding LBC, which is our token, um, they're fine. So they buy the token on exchanges when they need it for people. Like if you if you go to Odyssey and you create an account, we don't make you like do the 12-word seed phrase thing. We're just like, okay, we'll manage your wallet for you. And then if you go to publish something, well, you need LBC. So Odyssey will just do it for you. Um, so yeah, Odyssey's fine. It's just Library Inc., just mm-hmm. the pile of tokens. That's the problem. There's not even a problem like if you guys sell each other library tokens. It's fine. It's just Library Inc. It's the big pile. Yeah, it's just Library Inc., just the big pile. So once that's gone, there's really like nothing. And um, I mean, we owe the SEC money. Like if the SEC tells us how we can sell these tokens, we'd be happy to pay them back. But other than that, like we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll come around. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's definitely been like a uh, a roller coaster of emotion. At first, I was kind of like, you know, I I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think that most often people are just like trying to live their lives, and so I was like, look, they're just you know they don't understand. They're doing their best. Like the, the you know they see us as the bad guys. They're trying to protect investors, whatever. And I felt that way for like a pretty long time, probably about till a year ago. Uh, so a year goes when we lost on summary judgment and they were like, okay, this is definitely, you know, the judge came out and said, even though there's consumptive use, I think this is a securities violation, whatever. And then uh, what happens after that is the SEC has to like propose a punishment and their proposed punishment was like $22 million in disgorgement and $22 million in civil penalties and an injunction. You never do it again. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, they clearly want to fuck us. They're just evil. Yeah. Like, yeah. They know we don't have any money. They know, and and my dad too. He was like, you know, you should you should just be more mad. Like I'm mad on your behalf that this mm-hmm. is like you built something valuable that people want to use, and they come and, and kill you like that. And so since then, I've definitely um, become more cynical, more like you could say radicalized about this stuff. Like, yeah, I, I think it's so fucked up. Especially then again, like reading Hester's thing, it's like they she, she's there. She's like in the middle of this whole organization. She's completely powerless to do anything about this. It just, yeah, I, I feel terrible. And now I'm like almost a little vengeful. I don't know. Like I'm like the best, yeah, the best revenge, the I think. Is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think the best revenge is like success. Like I would love mm-hmm. if, you know, a year from now, Odyssey is just five times as big as it is. And just like, yeah, we're doing it. Like you tried and you just, even you couldn't like shut us down. That yeah. would be my ideal outcome here. I mean, it's just, it seems like such, um, I don't know what an emotional process to go through this thing, like to pour yourself into, into building something and have it and like, have it actually get used and, and matter and not only make money, but like become like an actual piece of infrastructure in this, in this industry and then have it take, I mean, I would, you know, it's like, I get mad if I'm like trying to put blocks together and somebody walks by and like accidentally knocks them down, right. Let alone, um, you know, building this, this whole project. I, and I think like the, um, I don't know that you. I, I've been impressed by uh, the 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 lack of rage. <laughs> I guess I, maybe it's just too difficult to stay angry. It's just I'm just so not kind of not that kind of person, right? Like yeah, good. Uh, good, right? I I don't know. I mean, there's a little bit. Like I uh, on the one hand, like I don't like to blame other people. I don't like to be like asking for handouts. But 
Um, also, it 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 feels like we did the thing that like VC Twitter, crypto Twitter, like people are always like, oh, build build something awesome. Like, don't worry about X, Y, and Z, and then you build it, and like it's not nearly enough. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would say maybe this is for everyone else who thinks like, oh, I'll just make something awesome and it'll be great. Like that's not, it's not enough. Like sometimes that works great, yeah. but you also have to like, there's a lot more to it. There's also a lot of luck to it. You know, like mm-hmm. a different person looking at our case could have made a different decision. We wouldn't have to be dealing with any of this stuff. So there's, there's a bit of that. There's a lot of things that are kind of outside your control and it helps to focus on what is in your yeah. control. There's also well, like, I, this is the nice thing about an LLC is it was just the company. It was never mm-hmm. like, I'm going to jail. You know, my kids are whatever. They're going to come take my house. So there's part of it that that made it a little bit easier. Whereas there's a guy who worked for us at library who like almost went to jail for 60 years for um, the, like the FBI came and found him in his backyard. He's making uh, like fireworks, essentially homemade fireworks. He's like, he's into chemistry. He thought it was cool to launch rockets and they thought he was a terrorist and they like, took him to court he was oh, that's very personal he he got off the judge was like you guys are you guys are idiots <laughs> just look at what he's doing yeah. so it was kind of nice to have um like his his support and his experience in this but yeah. that well, been i'm taking scary. notes about like when when i get taken to court i should call it homemade rocketry yeah or homemade yes. fireworks <laughs> yeah okay. yeah yes, something definitely far, far yeah. worse than fireworks in capsule's basement yeah um lots of radiation <laughs> well, yeah yeah uh, you, I'll tell you what, you would not want to feature what he's doing on Odyssey. That would not make the cut. <laughs> uh, well, I think that would be great. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Um, the weirder, the better, the, man. The people aren't, aren't ready for what, for what <laughs> egregore um, I'm cooking up for them. Well, uh, speaking of success being uh, the best revenge, um, you have not let uh, the SEC keep you down. We, we referenced pies earlier many pies and um you know now you are you're working on um, a couple other projects most notably um, cabin dow um which i was what we we first talked about when we when we hung out in lisbon and i think cabin dow is something that's interesting to us you know unlike the network age show because we're we're always talking about what are different ways that like we can organize society and the ways that which technology intersects with that. And I think that, you know, Hapsel and I have been interested in a lot of these different sort of community projects that have physical instantiations, you know, ranging from something like, you know, uh, praxis or like, you know, like islands with their own laws off the coast, off the coast of Honduras to these smaller community oriented, um, like, things like cul-de-sac, you know, with actual buildings, actual communities. And um, cabin falls in this place, you know, there's, it's a real physical thing with a real physical community that also has this sort of Web3 tech side to it. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about how cabin works, how you got involved and what sort of your vision for it is. Yeah, I, I got involved with it kind of for the same reasons you just said, because I was interested when when DAOs first became a big thing, there were DAOs that were trying to do this like part online, part in the real world thing. And I was always like, yeah, this is cool. This is like a great um, thing to be building because our lives are part online, part in the physical world. And kind of society hasn't really caught on to that yet. 
you know, like our cities are all physical. Our education is mostly all physical at, you know, until you get to like high school and college. Um, so there was a bunch of these, these like DAOs and I was like, oh, cool. Let's see what's going on. So I first learned about Cabin a couple of years ago and have always kind of followed a little bit from afar, um, just kind of see them on Twitter. Um, and I was even a little bit, so they helped us find the spot where we ran the first Vibe Camp. So that was kind of like the first time I met John, who's one of the founders. And then eventually, as library wound down, I didn't... Uh, <laughs> one word yeah. for it. <laughs> I got executed. I don't know what you want me to call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, all right, well, what do, what do I want to do? And I, one thing I've really learned about myself is that I really want to work on something that's solving my own problems. I can't, I don't mm. know how to solve someone else's problem that I don't have. The best I can do is work on something that I'm fixing and then like show other people how to solve that same problem if they have it. And what I cared about is raising my kids. I have kids at this point in the story, um, living with people I admire. Um, I wanted, there seems to be kind of two directions you can go. One direction is like the, the Amish style where like quit the internet. Um, this is like, get, you know, get off Twitter because you're afraid mm -hmm. the algorithm is killing you. That's one way to go. Another way to go is like, uh, I don't know if you want to call it give up or lean in, but like go, go wholesale, <laughs> you know, yak, um, fully online, like totally, you know, very online, just memes all day long. And I wanted like a, a, th a third, more complicated way where you mix the two, but you don't like, you know, don't, don't go as extreme in any one direction. And Cabin really felt like that. So I admired the people, I admired the mission. And in the summer, I was like, well, let's, let's do it. I'd been talking to John uh, about some of the stuff going on with Library, getting his advice. And he was like, look, if, if it works out that, you know, um, you're, you're looking for work or whatever, I'll help you find a job. And by that point, he was like, well, I'll help you fine, but also we're looking for a tech lead. So, so what do you think? And it's been great ever since. And, and could you tell us a little bit about just what Cabin actually is for people who, who haven't heard of it? Sure. Cabin is building a network of modern villages. So modern in the sense of like technology, like internet, crypto. Um, not, again, not like doing crypto for the sake of crypto, but more like uh, these modern ways of living need modern governance systems. They need ways of sharing things you own. They need th ways of kind of assigning reputation to people and using that to make decisions together. So the tools of crypto are really helpful here. And the village is about community, nature, living together with people. So modern village, and then we want a bunch of them. You know, we want them all over the world. We want to to make them happen, it's hard. It's hard to get someone to go and move somewhere. So first, we want to meet with like-minded people online, figure out how we can make this work, and then eventually get together in real life. So this is really Bology's like network state vision. Yeah, Bology has this. Um, so this is the network state vision, and there's uh, all the network states, like you said, come together based on some sort of shared value. So I'm like, I'm wondering what the shared value of cabin people is. I think it is that mix of like community and, and technology. I, do, I don't think it's fighting each other. So there at Cabin, we like to say we have like three obvious truths. We don't have a one commandment like Balaji wants, but we have several suggestions. Um, one of them is that people bond by overcoming challenges together. And so Cabin is a lot about togetherness, doing things together, 
it's not like there's one person running the show. Um, another one is that we want to live with the people we admire. We want to work with the people we admire. Like we're at our best when we do those things. And the third one is like nature and the outdoors. That's kind of touches everything we do. We think it's good for you. It's healthy for you. Um, so like that kind of vibe is what people, I think what resonates with people about cabin. And you mentioned that you have kids are, is, is that a lot of cabin people or a minority at this point? I think it's still a minority and it's, it's definitely the minority in this network state space. Like I, I didn't go to Zuzali this summer, but I have friends who went and they were like, their idea of kid friendly is like, you know, here's a little play area where you can leave your kids for the day, which is yeah. like obviously not kid friendly. I, I got in trouble with biology for making fun of, uh, a, uh, I said he was, he was very kind, but, uh, he did mention that it was the way that I said it was a bit rude, which is that, um, like some of the projects that I've seen are unserious about, um, about their future if they don't make themselves like, I guess, pro-natalist or whatever, but, you know, show, do, do, putting a lot of the things that you would expect to see, um, you know, kid-friendly places have like playgrounds and, um, you know, just like even in the marketing literature, lots of kids running around that kind of thing. Cause a lot of the marketing literature has been sort of geared toward young professionals, which is good for maybe a few years, but it's not how you sort of have a sustainable There's network. No need to be or even community coy about this. What you were talking about uh, cul-de-sac, which I was going to, I was going to remain coy, but yeah, I was talking oh, about, I, I mean like we, well, we, you, you posted about it, but also, you know, we invited uh, Ryan, the, uh, one of the founders of Cul-de-Sac on the show, and he was very polite, though he declined, but maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll get him on. Maybe because I wasn't I, polite enough, he declined. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But I, mean, it's, I think this is just, it's so interesting. Like, I think there are so many people who ag agree on the problem, right? Like, the, the ways we are organizing our communities right now are suboptimal, and... Um, as more and more of our life has moved online, that has changed the needs of what we need from our physical space and has sort of asked us, all right, what are some new novel ways to, to organize our physical space, to organize our relationships? How does it intersect with technology? And there's, there's many different answers to that, right? People are still are casting about and creating a lot of different um, models. You know, you have something like, cul-de-sac which is this sort of yo pro uh you know apartment complex uh which is maybe selling it short but um and then you have um something like cabin which you know my understanding seems to have like a, a much more global network it does have this emphasis on nature and like a very explicit emphasis on on technology um and so with, for what is what does cabin look like on really concrete levels? Like, how many locations does it have? Does it like what are? I know that there are some temporary events, and then there are some places that people are actually living or or beginning to live. Um, what what is the mix of them, and, and where are there actual places people can learn about? Um, sure. The, so cabin has in the registry, or sorry, the city directory, which is a place anyone who's a member. A citizen of cabin they can put locations there there's 23 locations now across five continents four continents uh, but all over the world and 
the like there's different things happening at all of these locations and also online. So I, I think the best way to see Cabin as this kind of mix of experiments. We've done things from, you know, just getting online with doing a, a doing a community call for an hour every week, every other week. And then there you can step up the kind of like commitment and intimacy scale to uh, conference side events, supper clubs. We've done week long like cabin weeks, build weeks where people get together to build something in the real world. Like you can build a sauna, a pergola, a, you know, a hot tub. And then all the way up. Is this to, just free like, labor? If that's what cabins will stand for. It's like, I'm going to have a cabin event. Could you put together a, uh, this, this barn in my backyard for me? If you want to, you know, get in the sauna, you got to build a sauna. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, this is how cities get built. Yeah, that's the way it used to. You know, like barn raising is is basically scamming your your family and friends, right? And then that's, getting yeah. scammed in return when it's time to you know raise their barn. Gotcha. Yeah, community is a mutual scam. I like it. That's yeah. a good take. You can take that tagline if you want it. <laughs> there's a line I like to say, which is, um, there's a book by David Graeber before. So before he wrote The Dawn of Everything, he wrote a book called Debt: The First Five Thousand Years. And my like three word summary of that book is that debts are relationships. Mm. So when you're when you're like in debt to somebody, you have a relationship with them. They're you know they're they're interested in you. They want to make sure that you, you pay them back. Um, but also it's the, there's there's something going on. Whereas like when you when you pay off the debt, now you're just separated. And so yeah, that's what happens in communities when you do things for people. Then they feel like they owe you a debt, but also you have a relationship with them. And community yeah, is this sort of web of debts. Mm-hmm. It's not only you you owe something to someone, but I think you're right that it is, is establishes the connection in the opposite direction as well. I mean, sometimes, sometimes that can be faceless, like, you know, collectors, but I think that in, in a smaller community, when you've done something for someone that also invests you in them, um, <laughs> have you ever read the book Choke by Chuck Palahniuk? Do you, do you know this? Some of his stuff, I don't know if I read anyway, Choke. The, the basic premise of the book is this guy um, pretends to choke at fancy restaurants and gets saved by a rich patron, like a Heimlich maneuver. And then mm-hmm. he he begins always to like ask them for money. Like he writes like a thank you letter and then slowly uh, gets um, deeper into his life. And the, the right, idea is right. that by by saving him, these people have invested in their in his life and, enough to like start supporting him. I don't know. It it struck me as true in some interesting way. Well, ideally, ideally, though, in a in a non-Polonic world, it's it's reciprocal debts, right? And then if someone is not is not sort of um, uh, giving giving back when you're when you ask them to, then that is the bum or the black sheep of the family or the whatever, right? So it really is a web, which is that you know, like you're in debt to me, I'm in debt to your cousin, you know. Or Your money is you... in Bill's house and in, in Jim's house. Yeah, right. That was, yeah. That was my, me trying to do a, a Jimmy Stewart. We that's great. That. <laughs> that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's going on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I actually I think this is kind of where so this this like network state um, startup in general space is very like way more libertarian than I think most of society and. This is where I think um, kind of the, the, the caricature libertarians go wrong is you want these sorts of like non, non-financial, non-set. Like libertarianism is all about like me as an individual, I'm separated from others, I can do what I want as long as I'm not harming others. But 
community is kind of the opposite of that. Um, you don't want your whole country run this way, but you do want probably your family run this way, right? Like I don't mm -hmm. pay my kids to take the trash out. My kids and I basically have a very communist relationship. But as you then go up the scale to more people, you have less context about the relationships, then you do want like money's fantastic. You know, I can pay someone. I don't want a relationship with them. I just want to buy a product. Um, do you send you your want, kids you to the blend. gulag when they disobey? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I have to get them to build the gulag <laughs> first. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I if mean, you want to serve in the gulag, you have to build the gulag. <laughs> that's right. Well, f first they have to do something, you know, truly bad. And mm -hmm. I haven't seen them really do something that bad yet that warrants shipping them away. <laughs> How old are they? But this is, they're going to be seven and four in like two months. Okay. I feel like, I feel like Perfect give, gulag it, give it some time. Some, yeah. Something evil will happen. They have to understand why they're going there, right? If they don't know why, then. Yes, yes, of course. The, the re-education. Um, yeah. But this is, a cabin is, is this. I think that's another piece of the cabin culture is that we get together in person. Like we, we do things together. We cook dinner together. We have relationships together. But also we have this network and we have this like crypto. We have, you know, financial things involved. It's not one or the other. I think many communities really just pick one or the other. So yeah. what, are the, what are the locations that you guys have? We have the main, I would say our premier location is called Neighborhood Zero. It's about 45 minutes north of Austin. And it was built pretty much from scratch by Cabin, uh, by John, by other people who came to stay there. We did builder residencies. Texas has very loose rules about what you can do. So it's very easy to, especially like this part of Texas, you can just build, you know, I probably paid, I think a hundred bucks to like register the spot and then there's very little zoning laws. You can like he put in this. They put in the septic system themselves. A bunch of people built tiny houses. It's a container home. Were these people who had any experience building before? Not at this scale. Although some of them do. So there's a guy living there now who just graduated architecture school in Canada, and he loves hmm. building stuff. He's built probably six or seven like really nice backyard like single room offices for people during COVID and after COVID, and he's pumped to just like build. And part of what we're trying to do at Neighborhood Zero is create this like IRL Minecraft situation where people from Austin or from wherever can come and can just build whatever they want to build or enjoy the stuff that other people have built, like a like a social club for Gen Z. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is one of the experiments that Cabin's working on. How many people live there? Uh, full time. Uh, just a handful, maybe three or four, but there's space for up to 12 and we're planning to build some glamping platforms. Uh, we're getting ready to run an event during the eclipse, which is in April. We want to have probably about 25 to 30 people there. Um, but there's also space, like there's a property next door that has a bunch of RV hookups. People come, um, if they live in vans or RVs, they come and stay there for a while. So there's a nice mix of like more permanent and less permanent. If um, I look at, if I look at the website though, I see... I see neighborhood zero, and then you've got um, you've got Puerto Rico, you've got California, and Washington. Yep. Right. So those are the top four locations based on votes. So anybody who has cabin tokens can vote for whichever location they want. It's a token curated registry. Mm -hmm. so, but there are more. So Puerto Rico actually has two spots. There's a place in Costa Rica. There's a place, yeah, Northern California. There's a place halfway between Seattle and Portland. There's a place in Portugal, about two hours south of Lisbon. There's a place in southern France. There's a place in, um, in Croatia. There's a place in Bali. I think there's one in Japan. They're kind of all over. There's one here in Massachusetts, like two hours from my house. 
Um, and do these these vary quite a bit in um, like how how permanent they are, or like their size or offerings, or are they sort of all of a piece? Yeah, they're all very variable. It's anything that somebody wants to put on there. So some of them are like you know six really nice bedrooms with a kitchen and showers and stuff, and some of them are like here's a place to put your tent. And mm -hmm. some of them have a mix of both. Sometimes when you when you like decide you want to stay at a place, you can choose. I want a private room. I want a shared room. I want camping. So yeah, they're they're all different. So what but am I actually have... what am I actually seeing when I see them on the the website there? When you say people vote for them, are these places these are places that like uh, exist need to be purchased? Uh, they want to develop there, or these are places that people already own, or what? They're places people own. Um, so to put a place into the city directory, you have to be a citizen, which is uh, like a subscription membership. And to become a citizen, someone has to vouch for you. So you have to like already be part of the community. And then when you are, you can list a property. You can say, you can describe it. Our requirements to list are, it needs to have high-speed internet. It needs to be close to nature. And it needs to be able to sleep, I think, at least six or eight people. Um, so as long as your place meets those requirements, you can put it up and then you can run events. You can host events there. People will find it. Um, anyone who reaches out to you, you know that they're also part of a community, which creates that trust relationship. It lowers the friction, right? You wouldn't, you maybe don't want a random person coming to your house, but if your friend was like, Hey, this guy's cool. Can he come over? You'd be like, yeah, totally. Um, so that's, that's one of the main things that Kevin's working on. And how many how many members does Cabin have worldwide now? Cabin has three hundred fifty six citizens, I believe. I think someone just joined recently. Uh, so citizens are like like paid members. They're kind of like the the most all in tier. But Cabin has over four thousand people who we consider part of the community. So they're either in the Discord or they come to live events. They go to supper clubs. Um, it's kind of it's a DAO, so it's very fluid it's it's hard to like nail down one number that describes your community it's depends how you measure mm -hmm. and uh what do you what do you think is the future of cabin like what is its if if cabin's vision is like fully realized what does that look like and and what kind of time scale does that happen and is it building more things like um what was it neighborhood zero um mm -hmm. and or is it like something looser than that. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, it, it, it looks because it's so variable amongst these different places, like what it could be is still being defined, right? Like, I guess all of these places are little experiments in what cabin can offer and look like. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the cool things about cabin being a DAO is we can explore a bunch of different directions all at once. Whereas a traditional startup can maybe only do you know two or three things at most, ideally just one thing at a time. And I think seeing Cabin as as a bit of a startup, as this mix of experiments, is the right way to see it. I don't know exactly what the future is going to look like. I know what I care about. I care about building the village where I'm going to live, where my kids are going to live, where my friends are going to live, and I I have like my vision for that. But that's not the only vision that um cabin might do and it might work out that uh even my vision like doesn't quite fit in with what cabin is trying to do to make it sustainable it's not enough to just like create this thing it needs to be something that can last so you... cabin has a like five-year vision 50-year vision 500-year vision which is you know sounds <laughs> a little crazy but 
there's a, there's a clock that's meant to last 10,000 years, you know, so maybe like 500 is not really that long. Do you, do you long-term like see yourself living in a cabin community? Like, is that like a, like a concrete goal of yours or is it something like, Hey, let's keep developing this and see where it goes as opposed to, you know, just staying involved in the community. Like, do you want to actually live physically most of your time in a space like this? Yeah. I mean, again, there's different ones. There's, there's some that are like more like a farm and there's some that are more like uh, a third space in a city with a bunch, with, you know, some houses around it where people share. Uh, but yes, I do. Like the question I ask myself all the time is what do I have to do so that I can say to someone like I live in cabin and mm -hmm. say it with a straight face, right? Like not be embarrassed to say something like that. Like obviously yeah. today I live in Boston, but someday I want to say like, I live in cabin and like, I seriously mean it. Um, and, and I'm thinking about like, what do we have to do to make that happen? And what do you have to do? <laughs> There's a lot. So <laughs> traditionally a city is the, like the physical place that you live. And this is kind of outdated now that we spend part of our time online. So I don't think of a city anymore as like one physical location. I think of a city as the context for my day-to-day -day activity. And like th there's many levels of that, right? There's also like the country and the state, but I think those are kind of far removed from what I'm thinking about day-to-day. -day. But the city is like where I meet my friends, where I get lunch, where my kids go to school. And so I want all those things to be cabin, not Boston. Um, so I want to like live with other people who are cabin members. I want our kids to go to school together to like, I don't know exactly what that school looks like. Maybe it's a mix of like homeschooling plus like AI tutoring plus I chip in, you know, a couple hours a week. There's a lot of options, but whatever it is, I want it to be like the cabin way. And I do think, you think, yeah. Do you think that, um, cabin is going to be able to get an NBA team in the upcoming expansion? Mm, we just have to crowdfund it. <laughs> Krauss did it right they bought a team uh, it's totally doable Lynx Dow bought a golf course anything's possible Constitution Dow almost bought a constitution <laughs> how hard can it be yeah that's good that's a good point I'll, I'll throw some I'll throw some uh, I got 10 bucks for you for the, yeah maybe we'll start with like D3 or, uh, or, yeah, or whatever yeah. like or the middle schoolers I could probably be mm -hmm. a middle schooler at basketball I, I, I some, some middle schoolers could be huge you know you get like the, all the best biggest middle schoolers plus they're mean you know they'll they'll, they'll mm, fight yeah. dirty they'll spit on me. <laughs> I, I think you mentioned that that um out of sort of out of uh cabin came vibe camp is that right is that the way that that vibe camp came to be um vibe camp was separate but then kind of became intertwined with cabin a little bit so vibe camp started on twitter on twitter yeah. during covid there were a bunch of people hanging out on Twitter. You were saying like Twitter is kind of this like terrible experience for you, but that's not my not experience. Not me. That was Mitchell. No, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He hates the slop. <laughs> I, I like the slop. You just have to find the flavor that really resonates with you. It's, it's, it, it, what you said about like leaning in, right? Is like sometimes yeah. I, I just, that's the real problem. It's, it's my own mental block in, in here. Uh, yeah. So I, I appreciate that like there is, there is a healthy way to, to do it. I, I'm broken. Yeah. Well, so the Twitter <laughs> algorithm, you can kind of game the algorithm. And that's, I don't know how conscious this was among the people who were doing this, but there was this kind of meme or social norm that you follow just the people that are like, you don't talk about politics. You follow people you actually like. You just talk about what's going on in your day-to-day -day life, like your friends. Um, you kind of 
improv your interactions, right? You're not like trying to tell someone they're wrong. You see every tweet as like an invitation to maybe play a little game about something. And that cluster, like everybody just followed each other. Everybody's constantly liking each other's tweets. And so the algorithm just serves you more of that. So it's like this little bubble inside of Twitter, which was called uh, the post rats for a while. It came out of the, like the rationality community. Then it became called in group. Now it's more like teapot, uh, which stands for this part of Twitter. So it's, it's becoming a little more like diffuse, maybe several subclusters. But at the time, um, especially during COVID, tons of people were like finding this thing being like, oh, this is awesome. This is like a great experience. It's very unlike normal Twitter. And when COVID was dying down, people were like, well, we should get together. You know, pe some people were doing road trips across the country, tweeting about it, how awesome it is to do video calls with your friends and meet friends for lunch. And eventually we were like, well, let's stop talking about it. Let's actually do it. And so Brooke, who is like the, the source, the seed of, of this happening, she tweeted like, all right, I'm doing it. Who's in? And then I replied, I'm in. A couple other people replied, they're in. And this turned into a Discord, a weekly call where we were like, okay, well, what does it mean? You know, we have to find a place. We have to sell tickets. We have to, you know, get badges, all this stuff. Kind of happened very organically, very like low expectations. And from June of... 21 we worked on it for about nine months and then march 3rd 22 was vibe camp at camp champions owned by john's brother john from cabin so this is the ah, connection gotcha. we reached out to john and we were like hey we, we know about cabin can we do vibe camp at cabin and he was like no it's way too small you know you're aiming for 400 people i can fit maybe 14 but my brother runs the summer camp down the road and you can totally do it there and it was the perfect spot um, we ran it people loved it people were like you know this is my this is a life-changing experience for me i met so many people people got our logo tattooed which to wow. me is, is kind of crazy <laughs> um but yeah people loved it and so then we were like all right i guess we got to keep doing it and then we ran an even bigger one in may of 12 of last year or like sorry this year this may <laughs> man time wow, yeah and um in it was like halfway between baltimore and philly and that was about 700 people. And now we're planning to run two events. We're running one for the Eclipse called Vibe Clips back in Austin because the, the path of uh, totality passes right over Austin. And we're running the another event at the same place halfway between Philly and Baltimore in June. So what, what happens what at Vibe Camp? <laughs> yeah, Vibe Camp yeah. is... What happens uh, stage at Vibe Camp? Yeah, I mean, there is a big norm, right? You don't, you can't take pictures of people without their consent. Um, you can talk about things that happen, but not who said what. Kind of, I think this is kind of standard in crypto now, where lots of people mm -hmm. are being pseudonymous. Chatham, Chatham House um, rules, mostly. Chatham House rules, yeah. exactly. And like, no posting pictures, no doxing anyone. Doxing is like the most serious. I mean, there's like, you know, physical violence and then doxing is like number yeah. two thing you <laughs> yeah. cannot do. Um, but yeah, I, I call it the shortest way I describe it is like Burning Man for internet nerds so mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. it's similar to burning man in the sense that it's it's temporary people get together they co-create it um i think that's very important i'm always like pushing us to do less and give people the opportunity to do more but unlike burning man it's not in the middle of a desert we take care of food we take care of places for you to stay um so it's a much lower lift for people it's kind of hard to go to burning man if you don't know anyone there or if you're just like i hate the dust and the heat um 
so yeah, that's there's art, there's like performances, there's just like hanging out. You can go to the pool, you can go to you know, you can do some painting, you can attend a talk about the future of humanity, you can go dancing. Yeah, just just chilling. Yeah. And um does can can anyone vibe camp or is it the same sort of thing like with Kevin where you need to know someone in the community, be invited, have some sort of connection? We're exploring different things. So in the past, anyone could come. We just sold tickets. Um, for the first one, nobody even believed it was real. So we, we mostly got people. Uh, we sold most of the tickets. We sold like a third of them. We sold in the last 24 hours that they were available. And then even in the week leading up to Vibe Camp, people were like, wait, this is happening? I thought people were just like joking and, and trolling each other online. <laughs> then with the second one, it was much bigger. People were much more into it. And I think we, this is kind of common is, there's there's like a certain vibe there's expectations and then as new people come they have to be indoctrinated or like welcomed into the vibe um and there's some sort of like new people change things old people are like i wanted it the old way i don't like the new way but then some people are like the new way is great um so we have to find the right balance and this year what we're planning to do is we're giving people invites so you might get i don't know 10 invites and the people you invite might get three invites and kind of doing this little mm -hmm. part vouching part anyone can come system yeah and I, I think you know the thing that's interesting about vibe camp is it is another instantiation sort of of what we talked about with cabin of like this mixing of um online communities and and real life interaction and like this acknowledgement that like both have become integral to our daily lives and that like trying to separate them is perhaps is likely a losing task and that like so then the question becomes all right how do we organize this relationship how do we curate it what kinds of experiences can offer it superior because of um, melding these two things and i guess like the thing that so many people talk about you know with like communities that have this digital first aspect and this really so what we were talking about with the apologies idea of the network state is like is choice and in, in choosing your values choosing the people that you um interact with and you're able to sort of curate a, a group of people based on those shared values um in almost kind of a low stakes environment before you do the investment of um meet of meeting in person um so I, it seems like an interesting instantiation of something like that. I mean, it's not like meeting in, in person based on a shared idea is is new, right? Like, you know, like every every major league baseball team has a themed cruise you can go on and to go hang out with like the announcers or something. But it seems like this is something that's like built up so organically is, is a relatively new phenomenon. And it's interesting. Yeah, I think it has to be that way if you want like real community i don't know communities become this like kind of over over marketed word um but whatever that thing means like the baseball cruise the reason it exists is because somebody at the baseball team was like this will make us money yeah. right this is like it's it's good for the brand whereas vibe camp exists because people wanted to hang out there's no we're not making money we're not planning to be rich um we're it has to be that way i think if you start to incentivize or make it about some other goal then it'll become that way like that's what happens with there's lots of social media like crypto projects and they launch and they're like oh you get tokens for posting you get tokens for whatever 
and then it just becomes all about that. It becomes like airdrop farmers and, and, and token people trying to, to, to like make some money. Whereas, um, yeah, vibe camp cab, I mean, Urbit's kind of the same way. They all have different vibes, right? Like I don't, I don't have mm-hmm. to pick one piece of my identity. I can have different pieces of my identity in these different ways of getting together. Um, that's another nice thing about it. What happens after vibe camp? Uh, <laughs> there's no end to vibe camp. Oh, just all but vibes. Vibe camp has already begun. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, so the event starts before it starts. It starts as soon as you hear about it. Okay. And, uh, and Fuck, so are like we we're, in vibe camp right now. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> is um, is vibe camp in the room with us? It, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in it. the room with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think I take that very seriously. I think, especially with the first and second vibe camps, like they they happen, they start on Twitter, and like people are talking to each other, like, what are you going to do for vibe camp this year? Who are we going to camp with? Who are we going to stay with? What's the events we want to go to? What's the events we want to see and bring? Um, this is like very Burning Man inspired is you come and you bring some sort of gift. It doesn't have to, it could be a thing, but it can be an experience. It can be some part of yourself. Uh, and that's, that starts on Twitter before it gets together in the real world. Cool. I'll, I'll bring a hand. What are a part yeah. of myself? <laughs> just, chop it, just chop it off. Yeah. What's a gift that's you brought? Um, well, with, with the first one, it was like creating five camps. Sure, that's, get, that's a gift. You know, that's the biggest gift, I guess. That's, with the second one, I mean, it was part that, but it was um, p- uh, part of it is this kind of like strategy, vision, focus type thing. I think about that a lot. That's one of the things I contribute. Um, and also, like, I have uh, possibly, probably the most experience on the team, like running a company, which, like, it, it's helpful to know how to do those mm-hmm. things. But for the event, it's good to know how to avoid uh, the SEC, that's for sure. Oh yeah, there's so many people who are like Vibe Camp should launch a token, and I'm like, no pre mine. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I also just don't like shoving crypto into stuff. Like there, there may come a time where that's helpful for Vibe Camp, but we're not there. Yeah. Uh, but for for this past one, the gift that I brought was my family. Like I brought I brought my kids to Vibe Camp. I brought my parents to Vibe Camp. I brought my wife to Vibe Camp uh, because, uh, like we were talking about, like I care about that that like family aspect mm-hmm. of it. And there are a bunch of people at Vibe Camp who are like, is it okay if I talk to your kids? Like, am I allowed to do that? You know, they, they'd never been around children before. But most yeah. people aren't, have no you interaction. You have to let them sniff your hand first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much. You have to give them a sticker. Then you're in. Yeah. Did your, did your family have a good time? Did they like the experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, my kids loved it. It's, it's nice because you just let them go. Like, I can't do that mm-hmm. in Boston. I'd love to. But I was just like, yeah, you know, the way it's arranged, it's kind of on this uh, like hill so that the house we were staying in, you can see it from anywhere else in Vibe Camp and I can like see what's going on. So I can just be like, yeah, go ahead. Like we're right up there. If you get lost, we're up there. Like here's the place where the food's going to be. And it, it was awesome. They loved it. They, That's awesome. they liked the kind of thing. Yeah. I'm a big fan in of Boston. Re- I'm a big fan of rewilding children. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And there were other people with kids. So first Vibe Camp, we had two infants. Then at this one, we had a group chat going. Uh, one of the ladies at Vibe Camp like, organized the, the kids area. So we probably had a dozen kids. And now that people saw that, next Vibe Camp, we might have three dozen, four dozen. You know, that, that's when, how you get to build that community. When is someone going to do a, a birth at, at Vibe Camp? They'll induce labor. So You can be the first if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, I, I was born in the Vibes. Maybe that could be your gift. Yeah, that'll be. <laughs> uh, that'll be good. Give me, give, yeah, give me a couple months. 
That's great. Yeah. That's a good Thank you. Yeah, yeah, this is my, the episode for me doing all of my um, bad impressions. <laughs> the, 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 um, bane of, uh, the bane of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, awesome. Great. Well, we, you know, we've been, we've been going for an hour 20. This has been an awesome conversation and a real pleasure for me, but, um, well, before we, we wrap this up, do you have anything that you would like to shill to highlight and shill, you know, you can go tune in to watching your, uh, to watching Grimm's baby get auctioned off, uh, after this episode airs, but, uh, anything else you want to mention? Yeah, it, like if you're listening and you feel drawn to this way of living, whether it's cabin, vibe camp, like all of these kind of experiments and new ways of getting together, yeah, reach out to me or reach out to cabin or vibe camp. Um, you can watch the the network state talk that I did on cabin. That's maybe the easiest way to like get more information about it. You can come to a cabin supper club if you want to meet people in real life. Um, and uh, to find so cabin is cabin city. Vibe camp is vibe.camp. Yeah. And I'm we'll, grin.io. We'll include uh, all these in the show notes as well so people can can find Grin's talk and, and contact him and learn about all this. So make sure make sure if you're interested to to reach out because it's, it's a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and don't like don't think to yourself like, oh, maybe someday or like this is not possible. You know, if the, if this is important to you, if it's important to you to be intentional about how you live, then do it now. Yeah, that's great. Do it now. And uh, to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're if you're doing that on our new medium, and uh, we will see you next time on the Network Age. Thank you for listening. For more Network Age content, you can find us on Twitter at Network Age Pod. We've also got a beautiful new presence online, which you can find at ookbar.network forward slash age. Also, find us on Apple or Spotify, leave us a good review, and we may even read it on air. Until next time, this has been the Network Age.